Gaming NBS, episode 159, coming to you Tuesday, October 3rd, 2017. Welcome to Gaming NBS, a tabletop RPG podcast. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Welcome back to the show. Glad to have you all here. Sean, I heard you say it, and I'm like, is it really 158? And I'm like, 159? What is it? And I'm, yeah, it's 159. Holy crap. I can't believe we're that, we're still here. <laughs> so I'm listening. I mentioned it this me a every few episodes. I mentioned this a few episodes ago that I'm listening to our back catalog because I want to grab some snippets from, uh, for our episode 200, which could be quite an ordeal and undertaking of what I want to do. But there's an episode where we are congratulating Misdirected Mark on 150 episodes. Yeah, that's true. We did. Holy crap. That was a while ago. And one and was like, oh, we could only hope to get to that point. <laughs> now I'm looking back going, holy shit. Uh, I think that was episode like 30, 33, 32, somewhere around there that we yeah, mentioned I think that. We hadn't, we hadn't even hit 50 yet, I don't think. No. So anyways, um, yeah. Oh, let's see here. Um, do, 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 do you, you got your pins out yet? I see you with that club on your hand yet. You still get your pins in? So I've got uh, hospital visits this week, and hopefully I will get the pins out of my hand this week, and uh, I can stop wearing a goofy shoe. That makes me walk on my heel every day, and I can actually start doing some normal things like, I don't know, buttoning my cuff on my right <laughs> sleeve um, and picking things up normally. That would be nice. What or I want you to do. Going you, for a walk. Like, fuck me. <laughs> I want you to keep the pins so we can make some kind of arts and crafty thing out of it. I don't know how long they are. We should keep those. Well, I can say one's pretty goddamn long because it's like falling out of my hand and it's still in my hand. Okay, well, that's pretty long then. Yeah, I think I could pull it out. I don't think it's in anything solid at this point. Hmm. Um. But yeah, that would be it's pain in the ass. If you've just tuned in, I got into a motorcycle accident in August of 2017 that I'm recovering from. Um. Yeah, that's all. That's all. Well, we got Game Con coming up soon. Game all kind of on to bigger and better things like happier things. Yeah, so pre-reg is done. If you were going to pre-register for Game Hole Con and you missed it, you missed it. That shut down as of uh, yesterday when uh, that was Sunday, October 1st. Done. Finuto. But <clears throat> as always, you can get your badge on site. So for those of you who missed that and are like, well, I don't know if I can make it. I don't know. I don't know. Get your ass to Game Hole. Walk on up there. Register, boom, you're in. So it's that simple. We still got our beer going on Saturday, so we got that going. We've got the beer exchange. Uh, we got the Sean Kelly Uber. If people are coming into town and need a ride, email us. Man, I gotta make sure I get. Out. I gotta make sure I have the time off. Like I Thursday, I may have to work during the day Thursday and Friday. I have no idea. I got. Well, I've got Thursday. Check. I've got Thursday off, so I should be good. If I have to proxy for you, I'll do my best to help out. Well, we haven't gotten a huge flood of, I mean, 
think Josh was the only one that's ever taken advantage of it. <clears throat> that's and true. I, know he was. He's not, I don't think he's coming this year. So I don't think so either. Yeah. All right. So speaking of conventions, Evercon still um, pre-reg is there. Thirty-five bucks for uh, the three-day con. Um, it's January 2018. Go out to evercon.org. If you're a BSer and you can make it to the central part of our lovely state of Wisconsin in January, it would be awesome for you to come there, run some games, hang out, and just participate. It's always cool to have uh, good gamers, quality folks, and as all of our listeners are good gamers and quality folks, it'd be great to see some of you there if you can make it. Um, <clears throat> other side news. So I mentioned the uh, Avalon uh, encoded uh, Kickstarter that'll be happening in January. Right now, I talked about art, and I also want to mention we're working on a couple different stretch goal ideas. What we want to do, as I've said before, is keep the Kickstarter at a reasonable level. We don't um, want to go crazy with huge, whacked-out stretch goals or anything. All simple stuff that we can easily hit. You know, write an adventure, that type of stuff. Should be pretty cool. So, We've got plenty of uh, bits and pieces to work on before the Kickstarter goes live, and uh, we are diligently working on it. So that is cool. Yeah. Sean, Sean how's Gamer. the heart? There, I was just going to yeah. say, how's Harvey? How's Harvey? G- gamers versus Harvey. Um, and now, like, I feel bad because now Puerto Rico is such a freaking mess. Um, and Florida. but And Florida. And, you know, oh, it's just. But anyways, Gamers versus Harvey. Uh tallies are coming in um i think we're at about 540 dollars currently still waiting on some some of the partners to um, weigh in on the dollars amounts um so i'm hoping that'll go up just a little bit um so some of you may have said hey i like upped my bid or i i pledged but i never got charged um and i'm i was hoping to hit that with you guys this month you have not so as I'm recording this Monday, October 2nd, you have not been charged yet. It's in process. Um, Patreon has a certain date that it kind of does everything, and then they make the transaction go through. So each episode, I can go say, yes, you're being charged for this. Next episode, yes, charge for that. Oh, for this one, for this post, don't charge. So, But it does it all at the end of the month, the beginning of the month, I guess, in this case. Actually, at the beginning of each month, it processes the previous month's totals. So it all depends on when you pledge during the month, uh, because if you pledged in the middle, then I would have only charged you after we got done and posted the show. Um, nonetheless, it doesn't matter regardless. Um, thank you, everybody who has contributed. Thank you for everybody that has been a patron of the show all this time and uh, have allowed us to do this. And then thanks for folks at, like Al Evans for spreading the word and and everybody that's been involved. Um, if you are interested in knowing what the hell I'm talking about, you just head over to www, um, gamersfeedhouston.com. And then there's She's a Super Geek, The Closet Gamer, The Wild Eye Podcast. Uh, who am I missing? God, I didn't want to... Gamers feet. Who am I missing? I want to throw names out there, but I don't want to accidentally miss somebody. So we got Drink, Spin, Run, Hobbs, yep. Playing and Slaying, She's a Super Geek, Tabletop Game Talk, The Wild Die. Yeah, good crew. Pretty good crew of people. Yep. Playing and Slaying. So, yes, everybody who's done that, thank you so much. Um, 
I have a feeling at this rate, if we were to do this for good causes like this, um, I, th- I think we'd end up doing this like every month. It seems like the world is in a world of shit at this point. Yeah, it was or like, wow. Elements, to... elements of the world anyway. Yeah, we're like, wow, this sucks. Houston, oh my God, that's terrible. And then I'm like, oh my God, the Brinkmans, I hope the hell they get out of Florida. <laughs> All the gamers we know in Florida are safe. Okay, that's, oh Jesus, Porter, good Lord. <laughs> every time we turn around, something else, something else. But anyway. So, yes. So even the small donations have gone a long ways, and we're going to give it to the Houston Food Bank. Um, And thanks for everybody who's contributed and even spread the word. Much appreciated. Um, Yeah, that's all I have to say about that. Thank you. Well, let's random encounter, man. Oh, random encounter. Let's do this. Random encounter. Segment of the show, field voicemails, emails, comments from social media. Brett, we got to go back to Google Plus um, and read some of the feedback that is in reference to episode 158, which is who we had uh, the lovely Forrest Gary on. Uh, and talented. Writing. That, that, always lovely and talented, Forrest Gary. Lo- always lovely, lovely and, and talented. talented. Always. Yes. Uh, writing versus running an RPG. You want to start? Yeah. Holy cow. What do we got here? Jared Rasher first up says, I think there's a balancing act that needs to happen in game products. <clears throat> Excuse me. It almost reminds me of the discussion about an immersion that misdirected uh, Mark folks did. Some game books attempt 100% immersion, but that may convey, uh, but that may convey the mood very well, but may make the game less useful at the table. While you do, uh, excuse me. While you don't want the text to be so rudimentary as to hold your hand the whole way through, but knowing that the product is for a game and addressing a game aspect at the table can be important. I think the '90s burned me out on the quote. I'm not telling you why this is in the adventure slash storybook. If you really got the setting, you would just know. Unquote. I may not get it. I may still uh, like the setting or the adventure, but do you really want me to play the elitist card? Do you really want to play the elitist card on me at that point? Good God, I can't read. Sorry, Jared. Um, He continues, I'm a big fan of having bullet points to summarize um, what the important takeaways are from a section of the book. For some people, that may be pulling the curtain back too far. But if I'm running a game at at the table, I don't want to read the box text word for word. I want to make sure that that, that the one briefly mentioned thing halfway into paragraph three of a five-paragraph speech gets mentioned. So the adventure doesn't grind to a halt when I later realize I missed a plot point, a critical one. Maybe I'm just too old and, and no fun anymore, but even in something like a source book, I'd love to see a section at the end of, say, five or ten paragraphs about a location in the setting that directly addresses what function the designer sees that location serving in the setting. This place is here mainly to bring a peaceful place of rest between adventures, so try not to threaten it too often, but if you do, make it a major story arc. Or, the kind of adventures that usually spawn from this place have these three kinds of themes— I think some adventure writers are setting design approach and game design the same way some adventurers use puzzles. Clearly, anyone with some degree of intelligence will get this. Not everyone has the same frame of reference or background, even if they like similar things. If something is important to the adventure or the setting, it's worth making sure everyone is on the same page. Matt Martinez continues, I heartily agree that monster stats should be included in the adventure, and that's one of the things that bugs me most about D&D 5e. The only they only include stats with their official releases 
if the monsters are unique to them, and even then they're relegated to an appendix. In my opinion, Basic Fantasy has it right. Not only do the writers include the monster stats at the point in the text during which the relevant monsters appear, they also include checkboxes for the monster's hit points. One last gripe, I like that Trollord games include stats in their adventures, but the fact that they're formatted as paragraphs makes them difficult to read for me. I had to back Matt on that. I remember reading some of the old TSR modules, whereas paragraph, like all the stats, instead of being columned, it was all in just one sentence type structure, which is a pain in the ass. I didn't like reading those either. Gaming Ronin stepped in and said, interesting subject. I only know the difference between reading adventures and uh, and running. I rarely run what I read, and I almost never write out what I run. I rarely buy written adventures, but when I do, it's just to mine for ideas. And games I run, I don't really write out. I just make notes so I don't end up with the village of Townsville and the third NPC named Todd. And there are a few more comments on that thread. We'll have a link in the show notes that are kind of going back and forth between oh, Rich, Frazier, Jared, Matt. Um, it looks like those three continue some of the dialogue there. Mm-hmm. Uh, moving on with Crimfan, he comments on the same episode. Cool show to have a guest on. Good job. Two E had splat book issues, but nothing on three X or four E for needing supplements. I still run two E, so it's fresh in my mind. Four E solved it by having every character have power cards, but only at the cost of requiring the CB to make those sheets or else carry the piles of books. And even then, the character sheets often had missing bits. As to statting all the NPCs, one thing I think Five E did a good job with was making some decent standard NPCs which can save some space. can get annoying if it leads to too many sticky tabs in the book, but I seem to get by with it. As to writing adventures, yes, it seems very challenging to do so. Creative writing and good technical writing don't exist nicely in the same brain space. I think some of the really classic modules, such as The Old Giants, were so good... Uh, was due the reason they were so good was due to the fact that they generated a loose setting that could be hacked pretty nicely. They had a lot of cool feel too, such as the eerie ruined temple in the hill giants deading dun- dungeon, which foreshadowed what emerged in the fire giants. But they didn't absolutely demand being in a particular campaign world and could be played in a lot of different ways. Right. Very cool. All right. Stefan Dragonspawn steps up and says, hello again, sexy BSers. Oh, Stefan, you, you tease you. Hello. <laughs> Hi. I just wanted to let you know that I'll be attending <laughs> Con on the Cob this event this November, 9th through the 12th, along with Eric Lamoureux, whom Brad has also met, and much of my fellow nerds from the Nerd International Network will also be there. It'll be a great re- reunion uh, after only gaming together via Skype and virtual tabletops. I was wondering if you'd be so kind as to send me some gaming BS swag and I could promote your excellent podcast. If I don't distribute, I can mail back. That's assuming neither one of you will be there at the time. This promises to be a great time with Andy Hopp and Sean Patrick Fannin, among others. Keep up the great show and fabulous content. Now, you know, Sean, you've talked about this before. We, about, getting some, about getting some goodies out to folks. I think um, I'm going to get a hold of Stefan and see what we can do. I've got some buttons and uh, bookmarks and some things here. At the house, so I shall get a hold of Stefan and see what can be done to get him something. You good with yeah, that? Yeah, I gotta get some. I gotta get some care packages. 
Yes. Some gamer care packages. That's what we need to do. Yeah. All right. Continuing on. Now, some of these got kind of lost. Um, I had our online form got hit with a ton of spam, and I had those responses go into a folder in our email, and so a lot of them were, hey, want your SEO increased, blah, blah, blah. So some of these I had to filter through, and this one was one of them. Kyle from Soldiers of Misfortune writes us. Uh, make sure I didn't skip one. Yep. Hey, guys, I don't typically write in because y'all are rock solid most of the time. The episode was fantastic, but i like to expand on something you touched upon in episode 146, Tips for Tactical Combat. I feel that the environment is a much larger part of tactical combat than you gave it credit for. You mentioned that enemies should be smart, and I agree. Make those little bastards use the environment as a weapon. That great chasm you spoke about? What if the enemies are on the other side with harpoons and drag the PCs into it? Those failing... <laughs> failing. <laughs> Those falling trees you mentioned. What if enemies placed explosives on them so they could drop trees on players at will? What if the enemies light the player's escape route on fire? These kinds of things instantly change the dynamic of the fight and encourage the players to use the environment for shenanigans of their own. I'm not criticizing, just adding stuff to the pot. Keep being badasses, Kyle from Soldiers of Misfortune. Very cool. You know, the interesting one of the cool parts about any kind of gaming advice, whatever it is, Sean and I'll be sitting somewhere at Gary Con or whatever, and we'll be talking with Chad Parrish or one of the guys will be saying, Hey, how about this? Oh, you know what would be really cool? And it's exactly what Kyle did is what gamers love to do. We hear something that's really cool, and if it gets you go, oh, oh, wait, I got another cool idea. That is that's one of the best parts about the hobby is that your cool idea easily feeds into other things. It's this very um, uni- unifying creative thing that everybody's got a good idea. It may not work specifically for your game, but I always encourage people to throw their cool ideas like that out. So thank you, Kyle. That's always good stuff. Yes, thank you for everybody who has written, corresponded with us. Thank you very much. Uh, We shall go into the main topic, I think. All right, Brett. (sighs) So, Tom Flanagan, Knights of the Night and Streets of Avalon fame, and mostly Knights of the Night because... He's been on there since the beginning, and that's one of the longest-running actual play podcasts I know of. Anyway, Tom and I were BSing, as we tend to do, over on some uh, Google Chat. And we were talking about different topics and thoughts, and one of them that he has, um, he and I brought up, and kind of like the, hey, it, it's almost like a universal struggle, is that re-energizing your campaign. You know, if you're running one-shots or whatever, that's essentially very simple. It's always like, well, we'll just play something different. But <clears throat> excuse me, sometimes you're running that campaign, and nobody wants to necessarily kill it or stop the campaign, but is there a uh, – and start over. But maybe there's a way to, you know, inject some energy back into it. Apart from, you know, double espressos all around, maybe there's something else we can do to kind of get everybody reinvig- reinvigorated – about um about the story, the campaign, the stuff that's going down. So, Sean, I'm sure this has never happened to you. Everyone's more than I mean, they bought the tickets, they've got their seat, the train's going. <laughs> they either they can either get off or stick it out. There's really no choice, right? It's very e- this topic is very easy, Brett. 
<laughs> Sit down, shut up, and do what I tell you. You just tell people that LSD or crystal meth will be supplied for your game. When you hit that down slope, you just everybody just indulges, and then guess what, man? Then then you're the it's re-energized, man. Things are seen in a different light, different perspective. Just to reiterate Sean's earlier statements, he was in a motorcycle accident a while back. We're not <laughs> positively full extent of mental damage that he may have obtained or sustained, I should say, during this. Anyway. This is just part of my further testimony. <laughs> oh, good Lord. <clears throat> yeah. When you go to sue the insurance company, let them know that that's what you do for a hobby. That'll go over great. <clears throat> Gave me any thoughts. Of- Thoughts and ideas of gaming and BS and Sean's in particular do not reflect <laughs> anybody does else's. Not condone, does not Ever. condone the use of drugs or illicit substances. So, um, when you talk about lack of energy, um, one of the obvious ones is like player or GM burnout. I think we've talked a lot about GM burnout because we tend to talk about GME type things. But Sean and I have been trying to put a little bit more focus on certain aspects in our player series about players. And I know that my players at a certain point will be like, I am D&D'd out. You know, hey, we're going to start a new campaign. What are you thinking? I am D&D'd out. Give me something else. <clears throat> and even in a campaign itself, if, if it hasn't wrapped up or anything, sometimes if a campaign is dragging or perceived, perceived to be dragging or maybe the person didn't really think it would be that bad to play the 15th campaign of first edition AD&D, but they're really sick of it halfway through. Um, that, that type of thing can happen. That kind of also falls into the, the quote unquote, it's been done perspective. Sometimes playing a game, you're like, oh, it's rescuing another prince from a dragon that kidnapped him. Lovely. Oh, it's another goblin, another orc in a 10 by 10 room guarding a chest. Great. Oh yeah. Another. You know what I tell him, Brett? Hey, that was Brett's campaign. (laughs) Now now it's time. Now it's Sean. So just so you know, it's going to be. All that crap better. you might have endured. Oh, it's going to be better now. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you say. <laughs> all right, Brett's group. I know you're all used to Brett running his shit the way he wants it. Let's say I'm going to use the actual rules as they're written. We'll see how this game really works. <laughs> There's a new sheriff in town. <laughs> um, the other one that I've noticed from a lack of energy perspective, and Sean and I were, have been moaning this many times on and off the mics, is he's scheduling conflicts thing that just hits everybody you know you've got a reason that you can't make the game other people have reasons sometimes they don't make the game because of player burnout or they're sick of it or it just doesn't feels kind of lackluster blah 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 so obviously there's a number of different potential reasons out there sometimes you get player uh, player to gm conflicts all those inner personal real lifey things but if you, you know, if in general the campaign is fun, everyone's been having a really good time, you've hit that slow spot. Here's, uh, I just want to talk about some things that I've done in the past or some thoughts I had around kind of kicking, kicking it a little bit and putting some energy back in. You with me, Sean? You good? So, ready to go? So, one of, let me predict one of the methods you use, Brett. Is one of them violence? I, I, <laughs> Well, no. Just hang on. Let, let me let me write just erase that right now. No, 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 it's not. No, I do not. I do not physically threaten people anymore. Court order. Um, you have grown. I have. I have. I've, 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 yes. You've grown as a 
Dungeon Master. Game well, after, Master. After talking to Alex Cameron, attorney at law, he has advised me that there's certain practices that even in a um, quote unquote, you know, you know, I'll, you know, we signed up for this, and it doesn't always go that way. Anyhow, so. Sean, I'm going to throw a couple at you, and I'm sure it'll bounce some things through your noggin, too, and let me know what you think here. So one of the things that I've done in the past is I have found that sometimes it is the bad guy, the big bad, the corporation, the interplanetary whatever, the evil supervillain, whatever his or her thing is. Sometimes it's that person becomes old hat, right? When like, oh... It's an ongoing campaign. The recurring, vil- the recurring villain has once again shown up and fucked us over. Yay, again. Oh, Mr. Johnson, Mrs. Johnson completely screwed us over. What a surprising Shadowrun twist. By taking that and flipping it a little bit and using it to add a layer to a conspiracy or change the plot up, where that Mr. and Mrs. Johnson who's been constantly messing with the players, screwing with them periodically, Say they get a chance to kill her, or she gets killed by somebody else before she's about to divulge some information. Or you find out that, you know, the only reason this villain has been a villain to you is because there's an even greater villain who has kidnapped their family or is uh, threatening to do something else to that person or has them under some sort of enchantment or something along those lines. So sometimes changing up the bad guy, even if it's going so far as to making the bad guy a sympathetic villain, where... That person may or may not have a choice. They're being forced to do this through either sorceress or technology means, you know, nanobots. God knows what you can do. But um, that's always cool. And it adds another layer to a conspiracy or an investigation type of approach. Have you ever done anything like that, Sean, where you just kind of muck with it? With muck the bad with guys? The, muck with the, the bad guy? Yeah. Um, I like to think that when I come up with a bad guy, Brett, that huh. they have their own particular... Or gal, mm-hmm. uh, they have their own particular agenda, specific. You know, they have a strategy. Uh, they have a vision. Yeah, but you, have... well, what happens if that gets boring though? What if what if you're like you know the players like whatever? I, I've I've seen through your charade. I've seen What's... through your I've seen through your well crafted charade there, Mister Villain. What 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 blasphemy are you throwing <laughs> over there? Like I don't even understand where you're coming from. I don't man. even know what like, that. That's your opinion, man. Oh, wow. <laughs> uh, yeah, I would imagine I would I would change it up a little bit. Sure, why not? Uh, you know, but how would you change it up? So they they do something different, they take a different angle. I think sometimes even just those simple something simple like that when it becomes cliché or repetitive, um, it adds some something different happens, right? They normally they get to a certain point and then the bad guy swoops in. Oh, the villain escapes or whatever it is. And oh, no, it really they really captured him this time. And wow. um, OK, we actually caught the villain. That's freaking crazy. What do we do now? You know, that type of thing can change. Can change it up or even determining that the villain, like I said, isn't the real villain. There's someone levels up or layers deeper than this individual. I think uncovering that piece or dropping that little nugget through an encounter with that bad guy um, or or gal, of course, can uh, can add to something to the game. Or at least when it, wow. again, when it gets stagnant and you want to change it a little bit, that's just one thing to do to kind of give it a kick. Just just make them a family member. Yeah. Oh, that's Long actually that's family member. 
their personal, like old friend of yours that you lost, lost touch with somebody or a friend of mine had a uh, Marvel superheroes campaign. He always wanted to run. And that was where it was all the dependent NPCs. The DNPCs were the actual villains. So Aunt May, Spider-Man's Aunt May was an evil, horrible bitch of a person who was out to destroy Spider-Man. That was her whole thing. And she was this terrible evil person. So he picked like every DNPC he could. Uh, he never ran the game, but I always thought, man, that would be that would be harsh because all these people, you know, uh, the Punisher Frank Castle has Microchip, his little buddy who does all his technology stuff. Come to find out, Micro's been fucking with him and has been setting him up to kill him or whatever it is for for decades or whatever. So that's uh, I like that idea. Twist it a little bit. And yeah, it, this is one of those things you don't even have to plan it at the beginning. And this is a piece where you're looking at your campaign, you're saying, man, this is getting stale or no one seems to give a shit about this bad person anymore. The villain doesn't seem to be very villainous. Well, I'll change around and it's your Aunt May. That's a big damn deal. Suddenly, family Thanksgiving becomes a little more contentious. Yeah. <laughs> so another idea. Yeah. Another thing here is if, while we're flipping and fucking around with this stuff. So one of the things that I've done successfully is that you have a game that's very investigative uh, focused. And we've talked about this before, that sometimes there's there's that evening where everybody's showing up and they once had a fucked up day at work. They don't want to do this. They don't want to do that. And they sit down to the game. And they're like, you know what I want to do? You can feel it in the room, right? They want to kill some goblins and take their stuff. In a D&D game, that's pretty simple. You just throw combat at people and make it happen. Even in uh, Knights Black Agents game, you can have some vampires from the Conspiramid just come swooping in or, you know, Renfields or whatever. You actually, you know, damn near any game can do this. You can raise the action, right? Take your uh, social plotting, backstabby, back and forth, and just have like a huge night where it's gunfights and sword swinging, spell slinging, and just having a raucously good time. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what Brett's talking about. That's like standard data. That's like every adventure of mine, Brett. All the time. Like, wh- why would you? Why would you not want to do that all the time? All the time. Oh, good God! All the time, man. Roll. <laughs> I roll. My, this is how I start. Good evening. Roll for initiative. How was everybody's day? Roll for initiative. initiative. <laughs> <laughs> so of even course if you, it's not. Of course like it's that. not like that. That's what he says. Um, it's, it's all about story, plot, twisty stuff. You are so full of shit, dude. That, where is that goddamn song? Where is that? There we go. There it is. Hey, even the Orient Express has some shady characters. That's very true. It does. Or uh, there's the uh, Cthulhu Orient Express version. Uh, yeah. Anyhow, so... Going with this, one of the things I've kind of said is you going from murder hobo to investigation as well. Sometimes you can you can take it from <clears throat> action and back. And I guess what this comes down to now that <clears throat> excuse me is uh, pacing. Is if you've had a lot of action beats, a lot of up 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 up. Sometimes it's good to have a little bit of a denouement, something that slows the action down for a session. Uh, sometimes the players are like, "Whoa, boy, God, we're just getting our asses kicked." Boy, it'd be really nice to sit and think for a minute. Changing up the uh, the tone of that evening's adventure can really re-energize a campaign. When you change the tone, the other thing that that allows you to do is, as a game master and players, you get that chance to, hey, they have that 
bit of downtime. They're at the end of the last home. They can finally have a little bit of a respite. And lo and behold, that inner party discussion they had about this person or some of those bonds and problems they may have had back and forth. Hey, they have an opportunity now where they can actually interact as opposed to having to save each other's bacon because there's horrible people that are trying to shoot them in the face. So changing the pace allows you sometimes to be able to dig back into those character backgrounds and the different things that you've built up in the past or that research that the NPC, excuse me, that the players are doing with different NPCs gives them a chance to head out and interact. And, um, I have found that sometimes if a campaign begins to stall out a little bit, seems a little on the slow side, doesn't have enough energy to it, taking a break from the usual action or the normal or what was becoming the normal plot progression and step aside. We kind of mentioned this with some of the side quest concept here, um, but throwing those types of things in like, hey, Sean's character and Ange's character, we're always going to go investigate this map they found. Well, they finally get a chance to go talk to the Dwarven map maker in the city because we've got some downtime or, you know, anything along those lines, people are doing spell research or they're working on their tank or whatever the hell it is that they're, <laughs> that they're up to. But changing the, the tone of a session or two can go a long way just to, it breaks up the monotony of a, of a campaign that may be too samey samey. Yeah. You got to throw in uh, trouble with tribbles. Yes, that's actually good. That's that's a Brad, do you get example. that reference? I do, do indeed get that, get that reference. That's wow, Star Trek. Brett credit. He's not, you know, I I didn't know if he would get that one. I've seen that episode. Excellent. That's Tri- a perfect Tribble. example, Brett. Tri- Tribbles don't like Klingons. I know that too. No. No, they don't. Tribbles do I don't not think like Klingons. Klingons like, yeah, they don't. They no, don't they growl. They like growl at them and stuff. Yeah. Yeah. So anyway, um, <laughs> I think those are some of the, it, it sounds, I guess this, this advice or this concept here is probably everyone's like, well, no shit, Brett, duh. But I have found a number of times when I'm looking at something at my campaign and I'm like, oh, what can I do? How can I improve it? Blah, blah, blah. I come back to this stuff and I use it over and over again and it works. It really does work to change the, change the tone, change the, uh, the villain up a little bit. Or even introduce a different villain, you know, have two or three villains uh, duking it out, going back and forth, you know, messing with that stuff. Sometimes one of the things that will hit me is like, oh, maybe this game sucks. Everyone's kind of bored. I should, I, we should play something different. And I found that I run the risk of killing a campaign to start something new and shiny. I can lose players interest in me as a game master or, or the campaigns in general, because they're like, well, boy, we just, we would, we were feeling actually pretty, you know, invested in these characters in this, in this, you know, sci-fi game, but um, you kind of killed the campaign. We had to start something different. Oh, I didn't know you were having fun. Oh, I guess, you know, it's the GM player burnout thing. So my advice is try the other components first. I think changing the game, even if it's to take a break and then come back to something, is fine. Uh, you know, throw a one shot in periodically. But in my opinion, unless the campaign is a is just a total lost cause for whatever reason, I think it's worth doing the change your story beats up, go from murder hobo to investigation or back again, action to social plotting, so on and so forth. Changing those things up, one or two sessions to see if you can re-energize a campaign that was a lot of fun for quite some time, or even if it was going really well for four months and suddenly seems to have stalled out, you don't have to kill the fucker. You can just change it up a little bit, 
you know, give it a shot. And um, I think you can really change things around. So, Sean, the other thing that I want to bring up. Sorry, go ahead. I would say I would say dump it on its head. Uh, you could do that. You could try that too. Oh, totally. Yeah. Which you're alluding to, but I mean, you could. One example I brought up in the past is I started with Age of Worms. Nope. Was it Age of Worms? Might have I think been Age did. of Worms. Age, Age of Worms or, or Rise of the Rune Lords. Regardless, it got shit canned because I'm like, this, I'm bored, <sighs> snooze, got tiring. And so then I just took it on its own off off the rails. Ah, believe it or not, folks, off the rails. Oh. And and took it, I mean, I was going to take it into a completely different setting. Okay. Like, hey, this is what you're looking at. It's kind of the same old, same old. Now it's going to be, you know, throwing some doppelgangers, some weird stuff that's going on, mistaken identity. And then all of a sudden, put a couple people in jail or prison and have the dilemma to get them out. Yeah. And then it's just a whole, oh boy, I got cats going nuts. <laughs> no, I like that idea. So, I mean, you, you, you take something and you, you flip it on its head like that or whatever, or however you choose to mix it up, I guess. So what will happen is sometimes when I'm in a campaign, um, I'm at, in either playing in one or running one, and you can feel it where the energy kind of ebbs out. And sometimes our gut reaction is, well, fuck it. I guess this one's run its course. I'll just wrap it up and move on. And I'm saying, and I think you're saying as well, you don't have to do that. It doesn't have to be the first resort. It's almost kind of the second to last resort, in my opinion. I think there's a, you know, it, it may well be worth, again, asking the characters or the players saying, hey, you know, I'm still having fun. Are we having fun? Is this good? Do we like it? Want to keep going with these characters in the storyline? Yeah, that's good. Yeah, we could have some fun. Good. I'm going to let's try a little something different tonight. Or you can be that overt with it. You don't even have to sneak it in on them. You can just change it up a little bit, you know. And then yeah, after I mean, you after you've changed it, then say, "Hey, Sean, Chris, what'd you guys think of that?" You know, it's like, yeah, that was a lot of fun. That was, woo, you know, good palate cleanser. They may say, who knows? But it's definitely worth asking the players before and or after you're done. Jump the shark. Jump espionage it. game. Espionage game, put in some science fiction pizzazz in there. Doing doing X Files, throw some wackiness in there. Well, you got yeah, it's Tinker Taylor Taylor spy, and then all of a sudden, you know, you're meeting werewolves in London. We gotta be, you gotta be careful though, because last time, I, every time I bring up that, someone goes bait and switch. That sucks. Bait and switch me. You suck. So you gotta be careful well, if you go too far. Well, it's changing it up, and then you go, oh, I'm sorry. It was just a dream. <laughs> just a dream. And if you get if you get lynched or burned in effigy after saying that, that's that you you earn that. <laughs> or what was the other option? Like uh, I don't know. Throw like in fantasy, just throw them a really powerful artifact. Oh yeah, that's that's or always a fun portal. Too. Some crazy weirdness. I did I did the portal thing where they went from Greyhawk into the Iron Kingdom setting. Through the character yeah. for a complete freaking loop. Yeah. Good stuff. Send them in the midnight campaign setting. Yeah, that would be good too. It's Boom. there's a there's a borderline, I think, between mixing it up and the perceived bait and switch. So sometimes for me, 
uh, before I did the portal thing where I sent them from Greyhawk to the Iron uh, Iron Kingdom setting, was I went through and hinted, 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 and then the players became interested in that, and then finally pushed them through the portal, and that's where and that's where they showed up. Turned out they didn't like it so much; <laughs> they did everything in their power to get back to Greyhawk, but it was a hell of an experience. Um, so anyway, I guess when you do it, there are levels of, you know. It's okay here, and then it becomes bait-and-switch territory, and some people may freak out on you. you got to know your group to understand what their tolerances are on that, but it's a thing to be aware of. Fast-forward the timeline, uh, five years. That's a good one, too, yeah. That, I mean, just, okay, guess what? Now you are all somewhere else. Yeah, especially if you've hit that downtime, right? You just accomplished X story beat and you're like wow hey we just did this big thing we just saved the planet save the save the prince we just reunited the kingdom that's really cool you know what we're gonna do let's go five years forward everybody level up twice uh let's do this 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 and this where would you be great we'll start here next session and it's the same character same world they don't lose all that but yet it's gonna be a little bit fresh and different from there that's pretty cool too or you just fast forward to the timeline five years and you let them know they can either keep playing their existing character or they can create a new one. And then the relevancy behind that will come out down the road. So if it's, hey, I'm going to create a new one. Somebody else is going to keep their same one. Okay, no big deal. Game Master, you're going to make it all come together later. They all change their characters. Well, guess what? Maybe they run into all their older old characters. As bad guys. As bad guys, as villains, yeah. <laughs> because they may be may not be bad guys. Yeah. But maybe from the perspective of the new characters, you throw in a plot twist that makes their former characters at least be, be perceived as, yeah. Perceived as bad guys, right. That's pretty cool. I like that. That's Yeah, fun. man. I, I I'm think full of, I'm full of them over here, Brett. You are. You're full of something. I'll tell you that. Shit, shitting diamonds, as <laughs> Brett would say. I would say spitting, but hey, that's fine. <laughs> well, I guess it depends on who you are. You might be doing the same thing. <laughs> might be. <laughs> Good lord. So I'll tell you though the. I th- there is the potential. I think the absolute like. The big <laughs> when if a campaign just you can't kick it. One thing to do I have found is that if you. This comes Just into- call me. Just call me. Write us. Write us. Write us. <laughs> like, hey, man, I am, I don't know, it's boring. It's Fix my, you know, my characters. Fix what, my game. What can I do? Sean. Here, we'll reply in like two or three sentences. Here is what you need to do. Hand out train tickets. Are you drinking? <laughs> First of all, start drinking. If you're an alcoholic, don't drink anymore. <laughs> Next. So the other thing we I- do, We should do a guide. Oh, that would be terrible. We would get sued. Oh, just no, not, no, we wouldn't get sued. We just had, like a guide to whatever, a guide to. We should just have like some like guides to certain things. <laughs> That's not a, a bad shitty idea. campaign. Here's uh, here and like a one page guide. Here's ten things you can do to fix it. And at That's the bottom, right. at the bottom of it is is quit and go home. It's this is broken. Things- 12 things a GM can do to fix their tanking campaign. And then it'd be like, on the flip side, it'd be like the players. 12 things a player can do One, when the GM's campaign is tanking. The, the first one is let the game master try to fix it. Don't laugh at him while he tries. <laughs> Nasty. So I think, I think the, there. 
the other thing I have done, I don't know if you've ever done this, Sean, where you have the same characters and you can actually swap out game masters. Have you ever done that? Where you've had different people take a campaign and either passed it off? Oh, I I don't know about that, man. No? You don't think you could handle it? I don't know if I could. I don't know if I could hand it over to you, Brett. You don't. Th- oh yeah, you could. I'd take good care of it. You hand yours over to me. Would I? Yeah, I'd do that. Oh man, it would just it'd be like whenever when they came back, it'd be C. It could be a lot fucking worse. And they'd be like, "Yeah, Brett, That's I'm sorry. True. I'm really sorry. I didn't mean to. I didn't mean to make you so mad, Brett. That's what they would be like. You're damn right. You didn't. Yeah, I'll sit down I, and play. I, I could- that's right. I could be like, "Hey, everybody, it's me. You guys can all just relax now and not like I'm not. You know, they all be wide eyed and like nervous and flinch every time I go to like roll a die. <laughs> like, look, look, look. Brett's in the bathroom. I'm game master. It's okay. Everything's gonna be okay. It'll be it's gonna right. be okay. It's all right. It's gonna be happy places. Good lord. <laughs> I I um. I mean, <laughs> On the other hand, Brett comes in like a drill sergeant and goes crazy. <laughs> Tell's probably flipping tables and shit. Um, a buddy of mine, um, my buddy JR used to do this, and he loved it, where they had a, a shared world that was Greyhawk, or I can't I think it was Greyhawk back in the day. But anyway, what they would do is they had a number of different characters for different campaigns, or one larger campaign, and they would, as they were gaming through it, they would, somebody who had a really good idea for like the next arc or the next story component of it, they would run that piece and say, okay, great, I'm done. Pass the, pass the screen. And then Sean would take over, say, great, your characters step up. And then they do the next thing. Then, hey, that was really good. Pass it over to Chris. Chris is done. Goes to Eileen. After Eileen, it goes to whomever. And kind of hop the screen around the table like that. Sometimes it's the, it's a bit of the burnout thing, right? If you'd like to GM or, or you want to be a player for a change, but you don't want to shit can the entire campaign, you can, even within the confines of the campaign, either step in as a new character or play the player's character. There's a lot of different things you can do even within that. Sometimes you've got this incredibly cool world built. I've been playing in it for a long time, and the game master may be like, whew, I am running out of ideas, or I'm just not quite sure where to go. If you have a really solid idea of what you'd like to do, one thing you can do is then step in and say, hey, how about I run the campaign for a little bit? Um, I got an idea of where I'd like to take it. It's an option. I don't necessarily think it fits for all groups or not every, uh, like I said, not, all group, not every group would want to do that. I have not done that myself. I'm kind of itching to try that at some point. I think it could be kind of fun just to get the different perspectives of the setting from multiple people running in it. I think that could be a lot of fun. Sean would never do it, though. I would do it. I'm, I'm open to that stuff. So, Sean, when, yeah. you've had a, when you've had a campaign that just kind of grinds, is your first instinct just to kill the fucker and bury it in, a, in the backyard with all the arrested campaigns? Well, and... it, it depends on the reason it's It depends? Buried. Really? It depends? I didn't know that. Sorry. Anyway, depends on the reason you're. Well, it does in this instance. How? What is it? Uh, it is under. It depends on the. God, if I say that one word, one more time. It stands to reason. There you go. <laughs> that if the the whole campaign is being tanked, I mean, 
there's a reason why things are kind of blah, right? It's either the game master, the players, combination of both, might be the timing. So maybe it's the uh, schedule, it's fizzling out. I mean, I don't know. It, it's what am I getting at here? I'm losing I don't my know. own thought. I'll, I'll tell you though, the, the interesting thing you bring up, and just by running off at the mouth as you did, uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, there, there, I, knew I would inspire somebody. I think honestly, just this back and forth. Right? This is the type of thing that it sounds goofy, but it's communication, communication, communication. Right? We always tell people talk to your fucking players, talk to your game master, and. If you as a game master are like, I don't know, man, are we okay with this campaign? Is this going well? I think it's okay, but I'm just, you guys don't seem to be really into it. And getting the soliciting feedback and having people giving you decent feedback and not going, yeah, Brett, you fucking suck at this. I don't ever want to play with you again. That's a little harsh. Um, or, hey, I, I don't like this game. Um, oh, you don't? Yeah, I'm just playing it because I want to play with you guys. Wow. Oh, I wish you had told me that before, JR. Otherwise, I want to run that damn game. Um, but yeah, Jr. <clears throat> he's well. He's always very, very polite about it. Anyway, point is, is that I think it's worth just if you feel that something is happening with the campaign, it's worth throw. And you don't know how to fix it yourself, as opposed to just shit canning it. I would ask the group and say, "What are you thinking? We could play something different." Well. I don't know if we really want to do that. We're, we're kind of going somewhere. It just feels like, a little, you know, well, let's maybe I could try something different next session. Or, Sean, do you want to run? Um, I know oh, you don't. Man. I know you don't like the idea of asking I people just, for their input. I just see somebody getting real butthurt over the whole thing. Really? Well, I think it. 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 You know, it goes what kind to of assholes. Do you play with man? Well, it goes to if somebody's having a like. If you look at the game master and they're having super fun, and then three of the players are not. And one of the players want to broach the subject, you know, the game master could be like, oh, I thought everything was going great. I'm having a super time. And uh, I don't know. I don't know. I think there's just times when <laughs> sometimes just being honest blows. <laughs> it does. It totally does. <laughs> like, just don't show up. Like, yeah. hey, you got commitments. <laughs> like, yeah, just bow make- up mysteriously. <laughs> don't, don't. <laughs> Don't be a grown up at all. Just so if you're in Sean's game, just tell him like, "Hey, man, I got a commitment. I'm took. You know, I got this yoga class. It's only on Tuesday nights." Yeah, it's <laughs> <laughs> just lie to him. Sean can't handle the truth. Find out he's find out the person's going to play in Brett's game because he's so much better. <laughs> Oof, jeez. Well, that would yikes. That'd be uncomfortable if you found that out. Right again. Like, yeah. <laughs> what the hell, man? Shh, black shit list. Put that player on that one. <laughs> Wayne. <laughs> Kevin. Nice. Kevin played with me before I ever played with you. Back down. All right. Fair enough. Stealing my players. Anyway, it's it's goofy, but I I have, I think, a lot of the different things we've talked about for 158 episodes. A lot of this, honestly has a lot to do with re-energizing a campaign. I mean, even we just talk about the different things we've tried to do in the player series. Having your cleric and playing your cleric differently adds a different flavor, a different energy into the game. If you take the uh, the Living Gear episode we did ages back, um, talking about damage to armor, um, <clears throat> any of those types of things... Uh, weather, um, all those bits and pieces that Sean and I have talked about 
over the last three years, a lot of that stuff is all about re-energizing a campaign. I remember distinctly reading through Dragon magazines and even online articles and Gnome Stoon stuff. And a lot of what I read and what I'm looking for are bits and pieces that I can keep in my head or in my notes somewhere to keep my game as fresh as possible or different and upbeat or challenge or something along those lines because it shit can get really, really stale, which is one of the reasons it still baffles me. Like uh, John, the one guy we, we both used to work with, who all he plays, they've got one guy and all they play is Pathfinder. That's all they'll ever play. And they only play in one guy's game in his world. Now, I know some people really totally groove on that. I don't get it. <laughs> I like to do lots of different things. But that said, even if you are um, a one game master and one world fanatic, having all the different things that we've talked about, Mr. Active Marcus talked about a lot of different stuff, Gnomes do again, you can is all designed to help kind of inject something into your game. Even listening to an actual play podcast going, wow, that was a really cool thing that they did on that, on that show. Taking it and finding a way to stick it into your game just helps to give it some new life. I'm glad you didn't accentuate uh, any type of punctuation with that statement. So you could take it and stick it in your game. <laughs> Did anyway, I do that? Did anyway, I do that? Anyway, oh, that? No. You take it no, you didn't. <laughs> period. Whoa. Everything we say, if like you put pauses in the wrong spots and it just changes this entire podcast. <laughs> wow. We become, we become a lot worse. Well, on another subject, you just start listening to podcasts that, you know, not us, of course, but if you went to go listen to somebody else, you might get some other inspiration as well. Absolutely. And it's... Yeah. I think, and Tom and I kind of, we talked about this in the chat. It's it's interesting. The hobby is so big and it's really, really cool. And you look at the different people out there running games and what they're doing and how they're doing it. They're all different ways to try to re-energize a campaign. Now, as Sean and I try to say is that you you kind of have to you know caution people in a way because the last thing you want to do, sometimes flipping on its head is great. Sometimes a quasi bait and switch or full blown bait and switch can be cool. But again, if you're like, hey, I want to start a thing with uh, characters and I really want to start tracking kind of ammunition or want to track damage to armor, or I want to track um, the weather a little bit more intently. So I'm going to, or intensely. So I'm going to start doing some stuff. Does that sound cool? And the players may say, yeah, sure. We'll give it a shot. See how that goes. And feeding those pieces and parts into your game then takes it into a different direction without having to rebuild the whole campaign, without having everyone to remake their characters. It's just taking a component of a thing you heard or you thought sounded really cool and plugging it in there. So that's all. I mean, that's <laughs> that's pretty much all we've been talking about at the end of the day. Now that I think about it, even you look back at like Kyle from Soldiers of Misfortune, the ideas he had on tactical combat in his uh, feedback to us. Those are things to take, stick into a campaign. And suddenly that combat became really kick ass and incredibly memorable because you took some of those ideas that Kyle gave us and you used them. You just, boom, that's like a triple espresso right to the brain, man. That just gets the whole group moving again. So, there. Anyway, if you've got ideas on what you've done in the past to re-energize campaigns, um, again, th there may be like, oh, it's it's as simple as one, two, three. I don't, you know, I, I don't know, whatever it is that you've done in the past. Tell us what you've done, um, especially if you've got a long-running campaign, something that's been going on for months or years, and you've been able to keep it alive and keep it going, it would be really interesting to see when you've hit a roadblock, what did you do to get around it? You know, what was the type of roadblock that hit the group and uh, how, if at all, were you able to get past it by re-energizing it in some way? So 
Sean, we good? Yeah, let us know. I'm interested. Yeah. No more. Die roll. Clink. Wow. Die roll. Miscellaneous. Two to four. Points game and a geekery. Uh, it looks like I will start this week. Yeah, I'm a little I'm a little thin, as in I didn't get any in this week. Bill Durfee, our friend in China. We've inspired him to do his own podcast. Sweet. It's called the Guild of Arcane Lore, a Harnmaster podcast. Wow. I have a link in the show notes. I think he's got three episodes up. Very nice. Yeah. So if you're Harn, if you don't know Harnmaster, there's a good place to go and find out more about it. Very cool. Uh, Number two, Kyle mentions in the last episode that he listened to us. Uh, we were asking for leads on gaming-related charitable events. Okay, this was a while ago. This is one of the ones kind of fell through. Um, and so he thought he'd tip us off to Brigade Con. It's an online RPG benefiting Child's Play charity. It's free to join the games, but they ask for donations throughout the weekend. They also have a bunch of rasp raffles on other stuff stuff oh my god uh it's pretty dope and so we'll have a link to brigadecon.org and then the last one knights black agents random character generator by someone i will affectionately call jeff very nice because i don't know jeff or what jeff's last name is but it was a he's a he is a friend of Dungeon Musings from Google+. Plus. So Dungeon Musings like, hey, my friend Jeff put this out there. And so if you're a Knights Black Agents uh, GM uh, or aficionado, you may want to check that out. And then the last one is Carlin of the Hill People Kendrick gives us a Bloodborne, which uses the lasers and feelings rules um, from Rooster Rooster Emma, Ema. Mm -hmm. So Rooster Ema is the one that did the game, um, blood or has ported the Bloodborne uh, game to Lasers and Feelings. If you're not familiar with Lasers and Feelings, um, I'm sure she's a super geek has probably an actual play on it. Um, vending machine, Rocker Boys and Vending Machines uh, by the Misdirected Mark. Um, encoded design guys, Phil and Chris and the gang, um, had based their, that game off of lasers and feelings. So, um, if you're interested, check that out. There's a link in the show notes that where you can get that on Google plus, and then it links to a Google doc. So very cool. Yeah. Sweet. Sweetness indeed. So Brett, what are we talking about? Next week, do you do you know? I've or? got two ideas, Sean. I want to throw them at you. So the first two one, two ideas, <clears throat> two ideas. Holy I want shit. to see which one you want to go at first. That's here, so. more than zero. <laughs> that is two more than zero, actually. So, uh, two. first idea was I am kickstarting my Warhammer campaign. I was supposed to be doing it this weekend, but work fucked me. And uh, to make up for it, I went and sat in a tree, read a book, so that made me feel better. Um, is that war? Is that War Hamster you're talking about? Actually, um, John Wick had started making a Warhamster role-playing game. I don't know if you, remember, if you knew that. but I did kind, not kind know of, that. Kind of, kind of as a tongue-in-cheeky thing back on Gaming Outpost when that was... Uh, but I thought John Kavalik put that in uh, Dork Tower. Yeah. As, like, 
Yeah, he the and Minister uh, game. he did, and uh, Wick was doing something with it, kind of on the side. Anyway, so I was thinking about um, as I'm setting up the campaign. I didn't know if it would be interesting to you or anybody else if I talked about how I'm setting it up, what I'm doing. Um, the other one is that you've been talking about your itch to run a game as of late because you haven't been able yeah. to do that. That's true. So I was thinking that might be an interesting topic is like how how you're going, you know, what do you want to run? How are you, how are you going to try to build a crew to do it and all that stuff? Because you're kind of starting from scratch. So you know, we know a ton of different gamers who can do different stuff and so on. So I don't know. Which one of those would you, which one would you like to hit first, Sean? Oh, that sounds interesting. Do you want to be on the spot, or do you want me on the spot? You know, that is the question. That is indeed the question. I don't know. If it's me, I would have to prep. Yeah, I know. <laughs> It'd be like the first time in 150 episodes I would have to prepare an episode. That would be, yeah, that'd be weird. I could go either way. All right, so I'll tell you what. We'll, uh, we'll leave it out there. It'll be one of those two things, and you'll find out on episode 160. There you go. Well, <gasps> oh, the suspense is killing me. I should probably know ahead of time, though. You will. We'll figure it out. Oh, all right. Sounds good. All right. Uh, awesome. So this is a wrap. But I will also say that this episode of Gaming and BS has been brought to you with the help from the following friends, patrons of the show, to include... Christian Sexy Voice, Serrano, Kevin Lovecraft, Joe Swick, Brett's Biggest Fan, Jeff Rodemacher, Forrest Gary, Mark Anthony, Betadetti, Eric Jeppesen, Andy Hall, Sean Nicholson, Dim Jensen, Knights of the Night Crew, Palladian, Remy Bilodeau, Jason Hobbs, Hobbs, Wayne Humphrey, James Carpionat, Caprio, Pure Mongrel, Lord Tentacle, Corey Johnson, Brandon Barnes, Tim Short, Stan LaValley, C.W. Mellencamp, Lost Sailor Graham, Minor, Todd McGowan, Roger Bassett, Misdirected Mark Productions, Old School DM, Jason, Christopher Gray, Finolf, Merkel Froelich, Eileen Barnes, Tony Sugarloaf Baker, Todd Crapper, Jim Spactrick, Michael Drescher, with Static, Alexander Auerbach, Rodrigo Beowulf, Neil Benson, Ron Blessing, Chris Deal, Eric Hoffman, Jared Rasher, Soldiers of Misfortune, RPG, Christopher Lang, Curtis Takahashi, Gordon Cranford, Mark Tasaka, Larry Hout, Evan Harrison Cast, Ray Otis, Mark, CMG Clover, Eli Kurtz, Ron Bishop, Stephen Dragonspawn, Classic Gamer, Craig Huber, Xavier G, JV, Matt Stark, and John Hammersley. For the cost of Coffee Shop Coffee, you can support the entire show for a month. Consider going over to GamingBS.com forward slash Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N. I'm one of your hosts, Sean. And I'm Brett. Good night and good gaming all. This has been a Litterbox Studio production. production.